Pastor Ted is going to come and bring the word. I want you to give God some praise today as he comes. God bless. Thank you, Pastor Bryce. God is doing good things. Amen? Uh, I spent a couple of days I, up in the, in the forest getting ready for everything that God is doing in my life in this season, which included coming to speak to you today. And so a couple thousand feet up, God spoke to me and, and gave me the word for today for you guys at everyone's church. And I'm titling this Living in Partnership with God, that God wants a partnership with us. Uh, but what is that partnership about? Is it a partnership of purpose? Is it a partnership of power? What is it? That God wants a partnership with human beings. He wants a partnership with us as the family of God, as the people of God. And I believe that partnership is not merely a matter of purpose. It's a matter of love. My wife and I, we've been, we've been married for, what, 45 years now? Amen. 40, 45, yeah, 45 years, what's that been think there? And uh, uh, it's a partnership, but it's a partnership of love. And then from that, we find purpose. But it isn't purpose that gives us love. It's love that helps us discover purpose. Uh, in your relationships, your marriage, your family, your relationships in life, uh, if your focus is purpose, then there's going to come a point in your life where your purpose is going to be challenged and you're going to decide my purpose isn't here anymore. And you're going to go pursue finding your purpose somewhere. But if the foundation of your purpose is love, then there's nothing that can challenge that and overcome. Because love overcomes all things. So, Holy Spirit, would you come today, any area in our hearts where we need the overcoming power of love, would you do a miracle today? Uh, Holy Jesus, I recognize that you're standing in the midst of this place. This is an expression of your church, your body, and you're the voice that is behind us. And so you're not the voice that's speaking merely from the podium. You're the voice that's speaking inside out, inside our hearts, behind us. And you're the one that's inviting us to turn and to see you as you promised in the fullness of you. When we see you, we become like you. We know there's a time where it's like the twinkling of an eye. We're fully changed. But you're in our lives right now. Would you open up the eyes of our hearts to see you? And would you let the evidence be very obvious that we are changed? So heal us, spirit, soul, and body today in Jesus' name. Deliver us from all dry places. Deliver us from self-seeking strongholds. And free us from every demonic influence today in Jesus' name. Because you, Holy Spirit, are the greater influence of life. Amen? Okay, so it's from love that we find purpose. Our love relationship with God that we find purpose. It's our love relationship with one another that we find purpose. I think we call this place everyone's church. Well, then the foundation of everyone is love. That would help us find what everyone's church looks like. Family. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We are, we're in a season where God is wanting us, the people of God, to manifest as people of God 
which means to manifest as the family of God. And I always say in my father's house, there are many rooms. I love this room. I love a lot of rooms in his house. He's got such a spacious house, so many rooms. You know, I was telling earlier that I don't spend a lot of time in the sewing room, but I do live in the shop every now and then. And uh, I, I have rooms in my father's house that I like. You have rooms in our father's house that you like. And when we embrace the father's house, we can embrace the unique rooms that make up our father's house. So I'm not just looking for a day of a pie in the sky and a mansion high and high when I'll have this mighty mansion reserved for me. I, I think there's a mansion reserved for me right now if I discover it. And so this week, I just need to explore the room that the father's in. You need to explore the room that the father's in. Do you have a challenge? Do you have a need? Well, you need to find where the Father is, where Holy Spirit is, who's come in the name of Jesus, who's the mediator, who connects us to our Heavenly Father, our true identity, the foundation of love and the foundation of purpose in our lives. So we often think of God's purpose as a matter of power. Now, I'm going to read a verse to you that's about God's purpose and power, and it's out of Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, and this is what a word to Pharaoh when God was delivering Israel out from being in bondage for 430 years. Anybody got a 430-year bondage? I think I do. I, I, it's such a bondage, I probably don't know what that is, but that would include my daddy, my granddaddy, my great-granddaddy, a whole lot of history. Okay. So if you've got some bondage, the children of Israel had 430 years of that, and that didn't stop God from saying, I will deliver you. <laughs> and so even in the old covenant he said I will deliver you <laughs> so in the new covenant he's come to deliver us but this is the word to Pharaoh it's in Exodus 9 16 indeed for this purpose I have raised you up I've raised you up Pharaoh that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth hmm. so God uses the wicked and the heart of heart to demonstrate his power So do I want him to demonstrate his power? God chooses the wicked in the heart of hearts to demonstrate his power. God looks for those who seek to know him to demonstrate his willingness to go to the place they live. Hmm. Now, I watched a video, you know, your pastor, Pastor Bryce does a video and I saw a couple of weeks ago. Now, I didn't plan this. God, God spoke to me in the mountains a couple thousand feet up to preach this today. And the text I'm using is the foundation of my words. Just happened to be a text that Pastor Bryce, Ryan was helping him out on that, concerning Zacchaeus, the little short guy that climbed the tree. Yeah. So I watched that video and was encouraged by Pastor Bryce to declare that... Um, that we do whatever we do, whatever we need to do. If we're too short, we climb a tree. We, we take risks. We do whatever we need to do to find Jesus. No excuses. It's a personal relationship. God sees your heart, and he wants us to do whatever it takes to get a personal relationship with him. Right, Bryce? I mean, I got that. I saw that message. 
And so in light of that, I want to go to the story of Zacchaeus, where he climbs that tree. And I'm going to look at what is the miracle of Zacchaeus' vision of Jesus, his encounter with Jesus. So in Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 1, it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. I think that's a miracle in itself. You know, Jericho was a city that represented the first to the promised land that God said, go in and take it, but don't take anything from it. Because what has to be destroyed is what was formerly really the gate to the promised land was possessed by the enemy. What was formerly possessed by the enemy has to totally be destroyed. You can't keep any of it or you'll be destroyed with what's been destroyed. And so they go into Jericho and they, they follow the, the word of the Lord to come into Jericho and uh, they march around that city the seven days they're told and then they blow the trumpet and the walls. It says, it actually in the Hebrew language, it says that Jericho was in, in like in the New King James, it says it was, it was, it was straightly shut up. It was shut up really tight. Actually in the Hebrew language, it would be, it was saga saga. It was shut up, shut up. Okay. which means it's impossible to get into it and it's impossible to get out of it. It's an idiom. So if in the Hebrew language you said something was shut up, shut up, it's saga, saga. You can't get in it, you can't get out. So let me give you a positive thing. Like the gold of the temple is saga, saga gold. It's shut up, shut up gold. Nothing, nothing bad gets in it and nothing good gets lost from it. So we call that pure gold. But that's not strong enough. The Hebrew idiom is concerning you, the gold of the temple. Nothing bad gets in you and nothing good gets out of you. Nothing, nothing lost, nothing needed, nothing lost. That's what God wants us to be. Inside, God inside and out. Gold inside and out. God inside and out. That we know that no matter what we're, situation we're in, God lives in us. We're a temple of the Lord. And so it's shut up, shut up, gold. Nothing in, nothing out. Well, Jericho was a negative shut up, shut up. The enemy says nothing in, nothing out. And so God has the people of God march around that city. And on the seventh day, boom, the walls went straight down. I mean, these big, thick walls. They didn't just collapse. They went straight down and the people went straight in and took the city. But then there was a guy named Aiken. I guess he was Aiken. He had a need. And um, I don't think that's the literal translation, but it works in English. I think he was Aiken. He had a need. And so he decided to take something from Jericho to meet his need instead of trust. If you tear down what is, then God can give you anything. You tear down what was, you lose your life, guess what? You get to save it. You lay it down, you'll finally find it. Well, Achan, he kept some stuff, and it didn't just affect him, it affected the whole camp. And so the consequence of that human decision was Jericho was said to never be built again. If anyone were to build it, it would be built with their, with their sons. Their inheritance would die if they built it. Well, later on, many, many years later, there was a man who rebuilt Jericho. 
And it cost him the life of his two sons. His youngest and his oldest son died in laying the foundation of that city. So the history of Jericho was a history of the enemy's stronghold. It was a history of curses. And Jesus, had, he, he did a couple things in Jericho. He, he healed the blind eyes of a man. But he also encountered Zacchaeus. He's passing through. You know, Jesus is not afraid to go to a place that was a big stronghold in the past or a cursed place. Matter of fact, Jericho now is known as a blessed place. It's a very fruitful place. You know, when Jesus comes to your house, what was formerly cursed becomes a very fruitful place. So Jesus is passing through this place of Jericho, and, and Zacchaeus is there. And now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was rich, you know. He was like a, I don't know, maybe a millionaire, billionaire today. Rich guy. <laughs> and he sought to see who Jesus was. I mean, he had all kinds of stuff to meet every need of his life. He probably had no needs, as we would say. I mean, even Solomon said, if you have a problem, throw money at it, it'll go away. I mean, you have to read carefully, but that's pretty much what Proverbs says. He says, if you have a problem, you throw money at it, it goes away. Big problems take bigger money, and small problems take little money. But in all of that, it doesn't really fix the situation. You know, Solomon was the wisest guy that existed by looking at creation. But there was one wiser than him. It was Jesus. And he lived his life looking at the creator. For as wise as Solomon was, he screwed up pretty big. And he became a type of antichrist in the end of his life. Solomon, the wisest guy, is where you get the term Gehenna. The term Gehenna, hellfire. The foundation of that came from Solomon. How? Well, he multiplied his treasuries until he had so much gold was as common as silver was as common as brass. He had so many horses and chariots, he was stronger than Egypt, than any force, than any power. And he multiplied and numbered his wives until he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, a thousand in all, which meant he could have a thousand babies a year. Seriously, good, isn't he? So basically, no, it's weird. Angie is going to say, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? So, so he basically said, I, I'm powerful. In me, I live. In me, I move. In me, I have my being. And from that moment on, every single year, Solomon collected 666 talents of gold annually from the Queen of the South. 666. Man, man, man. You want to know what the mark of the beast is? I used to have it. I used to have it. I'm not afraid of it because I've already overcome it. Jesus is my Sabbath, and I'm no longer bound to being a man. I'm a new creation in Christ. Why? It's in him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being. It's in my thinking, and it's in my way of doing. So Solomon, he was a pretty wise guy. 
<laughs> but in human wisdom, he failed. We need a wisdom that's stronger than human wisdom. And Zacchaeus, he's got all kinds of stuff that Solomon had, but he's, he's a smart little guy. We say little because he's short. He's a rich, a short, rich guy who realizes with all the wealth that I have, what I'm missing is God. If I could just know Jesus. He sought to see who Jesus was. He didn't. He, 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 he had to get up in a tree to see who is this Jesus? Whose is Jesus? I'm 49 and a half in Christ, 49 and a half years old in Christ. So I guess I would say, Ted, are you still climbing a tree? Are you saying this week, the last week of July in 2022? Am I going to live this week saying, Jesus, who is, who are you? I want to know you. I want to know you. So Zacchaeus is up in this tree. He's up. He had to get up. He saw to Jesus, but he couldn't, he couldn't see it because the crowd, he was a short stature guy, short guy. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. And he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. In other words, I'm going to sleep there tonight, Zacchaeus. I'm sleeping at your house tonight. I'm not looking for a meal. I'm looking for a... I'm looking for a dwelling. Zacchaeus, get on down here quick. Let's go to your house. Now, the Pharisees considered Zacchaeus a sinner. He's a chief tax collector. That's worse than a sinner in that culture in that day. Jesus didn't measure Zacchaeus the way the religious, religious society measured him. Jesus is looking for you right now. For me. And he's got excitement in his heart he's saying ah, Bryce come on get on over here I'm staying at your house tonight I want to stay at your house tonight how about a how about a, a sleep over and over and over and over how about a he wants to move into your house that's what excites God more than anything he doesn't demonstrate his partnership by power with you. He demonstrates his partnership with you by presence in your life. And so Zacchaeus welcomes him into his house. He came down, he received him joyfully, and when they saw it, they all complained, these religious people. Or they're complaining about Jesus. Look at he's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. My goodness, he's gone to be a guest at a, at a sinner's house. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
Now, I don't believe that Zacchaeus did those things to earn God's favor. I believe he did those things because he longed to know God. His salvation was not because of what he did for the poor. It was because of his eagerness, his willingness, his desire for Jesus to see, to know Jesus. You need a miracle in your life this morning. But you need a partnership with love more than you need a partnership with purpose. God can take the enemies that are using weapons against you right now and he can use them to demonstrate his power. But he doesn't want to demonstrate his power in you. He wants to demonstrate his nearness. He wants to demonstrate his presence. He wants to demonstrate that I love living in your house. Yeah. Works in times of loss. Works in times of gain. I'm 49 and a half in Christ. 67 years in passage. Am I hungry to see Jesus today? Am I, am I living on the fact that I saw him 49 years ago? Or am I saying, okay, last week was good, but this is a new week. This is a new day. I'll do whatever it takes. Do I need to climb a tree to see Jesus? Do I need to get above my circumstance, higher than my circumstance, to see Jesus? See, God wants to live with us, and he wants us to live with him. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writes this, To me who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, why does Paul write that? Because he was a persecutor of the church. You know, Paul wasn't a wicked man. No, he was a religious man. He was persecuting the church because they were a cult. He thought they're, they're, they're an assault against the holiness of God. These people who say they're of the way, followers of Jesus, they're trying to cause the temple of God to be unholy. And so he was out to destroy that which he thought was destroying God community. So he wasn't a seeker of self. He was a seeker of righteousness. But then he met a light that was brighter than his light. He met an understanding that was greater than his understanding. He met a light on the road to Damascus that caused his vision to become blindness. His natural sight to be made manifest as blindness. And he was converted and received sight from the inside out. He became a man of faith, Paul the Apostle, a light to the Gentiles of which the culture of the day didn't believe that the Gentiles were part of that light. But Paul became the arm 
of the Lord that was not too short, that could draw in all tongues, tribes, peoples, and nations to the family of God. But he realized it wasn't because of him, it was because of Jesus. So he considered himself less than all the others. <laughs> he says, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship of the mystery. Not to see the power of God. The fellowship of the mystery. Which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now, oh, now the manifold, manifold means too much. Manifold means diverse. Manifold means anything. Manifold means everything. Manifold means many angles. <laughs> the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold means nothing's impossible. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church huh, to principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose. The eternal purpose is connected to the mystery of the fellowship. The eternal purpose is not victory over the principalities. The eternal purpose is the mystery of the fellowship that presents the manifold wisdom of God to principalities. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. So Paul's saying, I'm going through some tough stuff. Don't be discouraged by what I'm going through. Be encouraged. Because I'm in your life. Yeah? yeah? Come on. So it's the mystery of the fellowship. Oh, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, last week, I think it was last week up in Bellingham in our home church, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, I blogged on it on Monday, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, trust what God is saying to your spirit more than you trust what he you think he's saying to your head. The mystery of the fellowship is a matter of your spirit, not a matter of your head. Trust what God don't don't trust what what the world is saying to your soul. Trust what God is saying to your spirit. The mystery of the fellowship. That purpose is connected to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of God in your spirit. That the purpose of God in your life is connected to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit because God says, I'm staying at your house tonight. I'm staying at your house. Come on down here quick. And when you get lost in the crowd... Find a tree. Get up there quick and look. Where are you, Jesus? I want to see you. I want. He didn't even say, I want to see you. I want to know who you are. Jesus, I want to know who you are. I've known him 49 and a half years, and I don't know him much. 
Come on. Come on. Yeah, but not as well as he is. Come on. I want to know him more and more, and you do too, right? So we want to know him. Now, one last scripture we're going to go to. Now, it's the mystery of the fellowship, so you, you need to reign in life. You need to reign in life. That means life is about you overcoming what says you can't reign. So you, are, you were born into a world of impossibilities for men and women, mankind. And God allows you to be born in a world of impossibilities because with God, nothing is impossible. But the connection is not because of his power. It's because of who he is. Our <laughs> Father. Our Father. Our Father. We got a revelation. I'm a child of God. <laughs> Absolutely. So now we're we're growing and we're wanting to embrace that revelation to know Jesus. See, Jesus is the Son of God. To know Jesus is to become like him, to become sons, to become daughters of God that are not shaken by what's going on in our world because we're constantly inviting to inviting Jesus to be in our world, in our lives. It's the mystery of the fellowship that empowers us to reign in life. It's not merely a matter of doing the right thing or making the right decision. It's a matter of the right connection. It's a matter of being the place of God's presence. In Revelation, and again, Revelation is a revelation. The word apocalypse is a happy word, by the way. It's not a destructive word in the dictionary. It's not defined that way, but that's the church. We taught the world that revelation is a bad word. Apocalypse. Okay. Apocalypse simply means what was hidden, not hidden anymore. Okay. Revelation says this is a revelation of Jesus. So Jesus was hidden, but now that you're in the new covenant, he's not hidden anymore. And so the book is not chronological. It's filled with many revelations of Jesus. The first one is he's standing in the midst of his church. He's right here in your life. That's Revelation chapter 1. And then Revelation 2 and 3 is because of that, the Holy Spirit is the sent one into your life. And he's a sevenfold Holy Spirit. So he gives you seven overcoming abilities because of who he is. Because in the world there are many lords, but Holy Spirit allows you to find one Lord. Amen. In the world there are many faiths, which are really fears, 
And he allows you to discover one faith. Not even the second death has any power over you. Don't worry. <laughs> he gives you the ability to be submerged in him and become light. A testimony of life. Changed on the inside, changed on the out. He gives you the ability to, to overcome. Now, the seventh thing that he gives you to overcome, I've skipped a few here, but I'm just trying to point out the seventh one is where I want to go. Because the seventh letter is to the church of, of um, uh, Laodicea, which means just people. That's what Laodicea means. And, and that could be just people. Or it could be just people. I mean, either of those things work. If you think I'm the just man, then you'll prove that you're just a man. <laughs> and when you're a just man, who's just a man, you end up being lukewarm. You have a form of godliness, but the problem is God doesn't live there. So it doesn't necessarily look cold, but it doesn't look hot either. It's kind of spit it out of your mouth, you know? It's not refreshing. That's the church of Laodicea. But I love the overcoming promise because the overcoming promise is verse 20. Jesus says this, Behold, which in the Hansen translation is, Hi, hey, hi, woo here I am. I like that. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. And he with me. Zacchaeus, get down here quick. I want to go to your house. Let's eat some food. Let's drink some drink. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, strive, struggle, wrestle. No, let him hear. I always say, if you're trying to hear God, stop. It's a let process, not a wrestle process. Let it happen. Let him love you. Now, I had a little of that this morning because um, I guess it was about 5 o'clock. wasn't terribly early. But I mean, I'm up by 6. So, But 5 o'clock, God woke me, and he spoke to me two phrases that I'm going to get into now. <laughs> because God wants to reign in our lives. A number of years ago, God told me this. He said, son, he said, grace is the evidence that I live in your house. Grace is the manifest presence of me in your house. So when your life changes, 
That's a testimony of grace. Many people live their lives in mercy. Mercy justifies you to live. Every human being, I believe every human being in Skagit County here, they're all children of God. They're all justified to live. But they're not living as children of God. Because they need to find grace to be empowered to live. Mercy ends the old so that and invites you to the new. But grace is the testimony that you've embraced the new. So if your life is changed and it's changing, it's to the glory of God's grace. It's not something you did. It's something he did and he is doing. Amen. So grace is the evidence that he lives in your house. And then God said, peace is the evidence that you live in mine. You see, he comes in and sups with me and dines with me and me with him. He has access to my house and I have access to his house. Peace is the evidence that I'm in his house. Grace is the evidence that he's in my house. <laughs> now, God woke me up this morning and said this. What's in our hearts for today will determine what's in our lives tomorrow. So if it's in our hearts, what's in our hearts? Are we like Zacchaeus? Is the most important thing this week to know Jesus? If that's in our hearts today, Jesus will be in our lives tomorrow. Yeah, but what if circumstances come and try to get in my life? What if I need a healing? What if I need some debts paid? What if I need a job? Well, if my priority is I need Jesus more than anything else today. I need, G I need to know you, Jesus. I want to know you. I've climbed this tree. I want to know you, Jesus. I'm not going to be distracted by my circumstance. I want to know you because if that's in my heart, then Jesus is going to be in my life tomorrow. And how many of you know when Jesus got walks into a room filled with coffins, the lids fly open? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> then he said a second thing to me. He said, a proper means of subduing will give you a proper stance for dominion. Now, I'm going to explain that because he said it to me that way because he knows I understand what he's saying when he says that, because he's talked to me before. In the original creation, God said to man, male and female, that's man, male and female, the likeness and the image of God, male and female. The likeness and the image of God is not male. The likeness and the image of God is not female. The likeness and the image of God is masculine, feminine. Life giver, life protector. That's what God is. That's who he is. He's a shield and a many-breasted one. He's a dad and a mom. <laughs> okay? And so he, he comes. 
He wants us to be in the likeness and image, and be, and when we are in the likeness of image of God, we can be, we can be, we can, we can be fruitful. We can multiply. We can fill. We can subdue, and have dominion. Now you find that in the Bible, in the first three chapters of Genesis. And when you get to Genesis chapter four. Actually, you get into Genesis 3, you find that something was lost. The ability to subdue and have dominion. Because in the next 1,500 years, the earth becomes a mess because they can't subdue and they can't have dominion, but they're fruitful. They're multiplying. They're filling. And then the flood comes. And in Genesis 9, God comes and the covenant that he makes with man is he says, be fruitful. He gives him now a covenant of law. He says, if a man kills a man, his life is required. You're going to make decisions now, Noah, what animals live, what animals die. You're going to have law, human law. You had human conscience. That didn't work. It worked for eight people. Eight. They got in a boat and it floated. Okay. But now he gives them law, but he doesn't say subdue and have dominion. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill. It's not until a man whom God called Jesus was born in Bethlehem that there was a human being who was full of grace and truth, which restores subduing and dominion. Because to subdue is to destroy death with life. And dominion is to crumble every lie with truth. Now, the Bible in your hands, before you kill me for the statement I'm about to make, listen closely to everything I'm going to say. The Bible in your hands is written truth, but it's not truth, and it will not crumble lies. But when you become the testimony of flesh transformed to what that shadow looks like, you can crumble every lie. The Bible says, love God. But when you take the Bible and you beat yourself up for not loving God, or you beat your neighbor up for not loving God, or you do something that God never has done, which is condemn sinners. God has never, ever condemned sinners. Sin is condemning. He came to free us from condemnation. No God in heaven has ever killed a sinner, but sinners die of sin. Sin is disconnection. Looking for love in the wrong place. What's the positive thing of that? Looking for love. Okay, so looking for love in the wrong place. That's a sinner. Looking for love in the wrong place. Oh, that's good. They're looking for love. They're just adjustment away from finding love. 
<laughs> so my statement then, a proper means of subduing. Subduing is God's manifest presence in my life. Grace gives me the ability to bring life to death. If I have, and how's that going to happen? It's going to happen because Jesus is staying in my house. Jesus is living in my life. If he's living in my life, his manifest presence in me is going to give me the ability to subdue. Why would you need to subdue? Because there are things that are seeking to subdue you. <laughs> you see, God loves you and the enemy hates you. Because you are the likeness and image of your father and the enemy doesn't want you to manifest. And God is smart. He lets the enemy be himself. He lets the enemy be an enemy. So that you can find his presence to be who you are, a son, a daughter of God. Which is more powerful, your enemy or you? Yeah, because Jesus lives in your house. He dines with you. He subs with you. You're sitting together, you and him and him and you. And therefore, you're increasingly reigning in life, overcoming the weapons of the enemy, subduing, bringing health to sickness, bringing light to darkness, bringing life to death, bringing hope to hopelessness. I think the last time I was down with you, I told you I'm intrigued by all the discoveries they're finding, you know, in, in, in outer space with the telescopes they have. And they keep finding more nothing, more nothing. But, it, but it's beautiful nothing. Lots of empty, empty planets, beautiful nothing. And, you know, and God told me when, when I started looking at these, he said, look at this. Look at the, the possibilities are limitless. I do my best work when it's formless, void, and dark. So a galaxies full of nothing means galaxies full of anything. Nothing's been determined. Woohoo! Hey, you know what? Woohoo! Listen to this. Some of that stuff is millions of light years away. I mean, think about that. I mean, you even think in science, you got to go because you're looking at stuff that takes thousands of years to get to your eyeballs. Hmm. Okay, I, I wasn't created to comprehend that stuff. So the more you try to figure it out, the more you need to go. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you in the scope of things, you have lots of time. <laughs> you, know, you might have a little speck in this part of it, but your future is bright. <laughs> the possibilities are limitless. So now, my proper means of subduing then is Jesus in my life. Life in my life is going to destroy death. Who's living in my house? Who do I want to come to my house today? 
Who am I eager to know this week? Who do I want? In my, do, I, do I want the circumstances in my house? Oh, they're knocking at my door. But there was somebody else knocking at my door too who didn't want to destroy me but wanted to come in and eat and drink. Let's have some, let's have some life together. Eat and drink, have some life together. I mean, we didn't just, you know, cram burgers down. I mean, we're like, we're, we're, we're experiencing one another, enjoying one another. And that gives me the proper stance of dominion. Now, dominion is truth crumbles every lie. You make a great you and a terrible somebody else. And when Jesus lives in your life, you increasingly become you. You see, the flaw of the enemy is, I believe this with all my heart, I believe he didn't like himself. But he was gorgeous. See, I, I believe, my personal conviction is, that when the prophet, prophets speak from the realm of eternity. They, they don't speak from a realm of they don't even know what they're looking at. Okay? That's why Jeremiah can say, I looked and beheld, and the earth was formless, void, and dark, and, and all the birds of the air had fled, and there was no man. He's looking before Genesis 1, and he doesn't know what he's looking at, but he, and he says, and God destroyed the communities, the inhabitants. Basically, the prophet's saying, listen, listen, God deals with stuff. He wants you to come to him. Don't think he doesn't deal with stuff. When prophet, when, when Jeremiah says this, he doesn't even know, I don't think he even knows what he's looking at. He's just, it's just God saying, you don't need to understand everything. I do. And I deal with stuff. So listen to me. I want you to come to me. So those obscure verses in Jeremiah 4 are not meant for us to understand what happened before Genesis 1. It's not meant for us to understand when the birds of the air had fled. It's meant to just say, God deals with stuff. That's it. <laughs> okay, yeah, you have a great week, all right? Blessings to you. All right. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. So God deals with stuff. So, so when Isaiah is speaking to the king of Babylon, I believe he's speaking to the roots of the king of Babylon. When Isaiah, when Ezekiel is speaking to the king of Tyre, I believe he's speaking to the king of Tyre. And I believe he's right. describing a creator, a, cre a creature that was beautiful, wonderful, full of pipes and timbrels and things that were precious stones that reflected as a covering cherub over the word of God, the light of God, the life of God. But he lifted his heart. He didn't like who he was. And he became perverted. To be perverted is to not be true to who you are. The enemy wants you to live a perverted life. Because when you can discover who you are, <laughs> you're not a perversion anymore. You're beautiful. You're glorious. And you crumble every lie in your world. See, you don't need to be someone else. You need to be you. But what's the secret to being you? 
Who lives in your house? So I'm concluding by saying this. The foundation of our ability to reign in life is Jesus living in our house. And I'm saying that foundation will then allow us to increasingly become truth. To become freed from the lies of deceptions. To not love some image other than the relationship with God. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't worship the image of God. I worship God. And then I become an image of him. But I don't worship an image of God. <clears throat> so Holy Spirit, would you help us this week that we would that we would drink and eat of Jesus. That we would make room in our Houses in our hearts this week for Jesus to sleep, for Jesus to be happy, for us to laugh together, for us to cry together. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, that we would know our Father through the testimony of the one who knows? you that we can know our father with the help of you holy spirit who have come in the name of jesus and that we will reign in life <laughs> and that you will demonstrate your love through us father god not in the same way that you do with the hard-hearted and the wicked but in the way you do with a friend, with a son, with a daughter, with a family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a partnership. Amen. Thank you very much.